Disturbing figures released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics have shown that suicide is the leading cause of death for First Nations children aged between 5 and 17 years old. In 2019, suicide rates for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders were more than double the rate for non-Indigenous Australians. And figures from the Australian Institute for Health and Welfare show that young First Nations women are 60% more likely to be hospitalised for self-harm than their male counterparts. The crisis made national headlines two years ago following the deaths of five Aboriginal girls aged between 12 and 15 in January alone. It prompted peak medical and health bodies to pressure Prime Minister Scott Morrison to declare First Nations child suicides a national emergency. In response, the head of the National Mental Health Commission, Christine Morgan, was named the country's National Suicide Prevention Advisor. But the leading community organisation that has been consistently working to bring about change is the National Indigenous Postvention Service, Thidley. Jacqueline McGowan-Jones is the CEO and she joins me now. Jacqueline, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Larissa. Now, before we get into the issue, I just wanted to find out a little bit more about you. Can you tell us where you grew up? I grew up in Victoria, in Bendigo, on Jarjarang country. And my father was adopted and his heritage was then discovered to be Indigenous as we did lots of searching through Linkup while I was working with the Bringing Them Home Task Force. And my family connections are Warramungu and Aranda. So who were your greatest influences when you were growing up? What shaped your worldview? I think obviously my mum. She was the constant in our life. My dad had a very challenging upbringing and uh, challenging life. But also at that time, Carolyn Briggs was in Bendigo when I was a teenager and she had an immense impact on our family and our lives. So I think, you know, she brought home to me how important it was to look for our family, to be connected to our culture, that the strength that is in culture was terribly important. And that began my journey. And what prompted you to get into this area of work? What's led you down this path? In October 2015, I came home from a work trip and my mother was living with me and I found she'd taken her own life. And I had also been helping to care for my daughter, niece, who had very significant mental health issues and made numerous attempts on her own life. And it just felt to me that I could bring something to the discussion and to the service with lived experience. Unfortunately, three months ago, my daughter niece also completed suicide. I'm so sorry and thank you for sharing that with us. What's the primary focus of the work that you do at Thiddley? Our primary focus is to prevent what we call contagion or echo suicide. Those siblings who lose a sibling to suicide are two to three times more likely to take their own life. And when we consider that our children and young people already have a suicide rate of seven times more than the broader population, it is critical that we do something to prevent those young people taking their own lives when they lose a friend or family member. From what you've seen from your very personal experience and the work you do, how do cases of suicide and self-harm impact our First Nations communities? 
the impact is far greater than the broader community. There's a lot of evidence and research out there that says when somebody takes their own life, up to 135 people are directly impacted. For Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people where we're living in much greater size of communities and have a broader definition of what is family, that number can be up to 4,000. If you've got a community of three to 4,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people like we do in some of our remote areas, the whole community is affected by suicide. So that number of 135 can be 100 times more for our people. What does the research show in terms of the factors that contribute to the disparity in the number of cases between First Nations children and the broader community? There's been a lot of research done, but Michael Chandler has done a huge amount of work in Canada. And that work shows that in those bands or differing cultural groups, where there's cultural continuity and connection, there's almost no suicide. In Australia, the research done predominantly by people like Pat Dudgeon and Uncle Tom Kelmer also shows that the strengthening of culture and connectedness reduces the likelihood of suicide. However, in Australia, we also have transgenerational trauma and contemporary disadvantage and discrimination that continues to cause mental health problems for our families and communities. We have also discovered, of course, that child sexual abuse can be a factor in suicide. But I am concerned when people suggest that the only reason our children and young people are taking their own lives is because they were abused. We know that discrimination, disconnection from culture, country, family and community through stolen generations, through child protection activities that don't try hard enough to place our children with kinship carers and those sorts of things contribute greatly to the deaths in our children and young people from suicide. I just want to pick up on something really important that you've said there. What role does culture play in the healing process for families impacted by suicide or self-harm? A connection to culture is critical. The social and emotional wellbeing framework developed by Pat Dudgeon, Graham G and others shows all of those areas that are important to us feeling safe and strong in self. And that includes being able to understand where you're from, where you fit into your community, who you are, what is your cultural connection. People who are disconnected from their culture and from family and community and country have a displaced feeling that leads to worsening mental health outcomes for them. So it is critically important that our children and young people are able to connect to their culture, who they are, where they're from, what is their dreaming, what are their stories, how do they connect, what is their future in their community, so that they feel they have a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging and a sense of family and community. Fiddley is the country's only First Nations provider in the area of postvention services. From your perspective, what is the need for more community-controlled support in the sector? Look, I think it's critical that we do something about this. There is a significant amount of funding goes into mainstream services, and don't get me wrong, some of those services do good work with our families and communities. However, we know that with suicide, 
the bereavement experience is far more complex. People experience not only the shock and the anger and the grief at the loss, but they experience guilt and shame and they go through the what-if process. In funding only one Indigenous provider or only one service, when the rates of suicide are so significantly greater, we are stretching the resources and we're not able to always be exactly where we need to be at any given time. We know that it's critical for our families and communities to be able to have choice about the services they choose and we know that they need to have access to culturally appropriate and culturally responsive services. Siddeley's team is all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff. We have a 24-7 number for people to refer themselves or for people to refer families to us. And that is always answered by an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person. That can be the first step to connecting to somebody because they know that we know and have experience similar to them and they feel that immediate sense of connection, which is critical if you're going to engage with a service provider. In 2019, following the suicide deaths of five Aboriginal girls in the space of a month, the federal government named the country's first national suicide prevention advisor. From your perspective, being on the ground at the coalface, how far have we come in addressing the rates of self-harm in our communities since that announcement? I won't pretend to be an expert on self-harm and I think there's a lot more that needs to be done in that prevention space in working with people with self-harm. And I talked about my daughter, Ness, who took her own life and she self-harmed and attempted suicide from about the age of nine years of age. I think it's critical that more work is done in the prevention space. We shouldn't need a post-vention service if we were doing prevention well enough. The numbers don't appear to me to be decreasing in our young people's suicides. In 2020, our service recorded 46 suicides in the 25 and under age group. This year so far, we already have 27 in the 25 and under age group and we're only four months into the year. So there needs to be a greater focus on prevention and that includes self-harm and attempts the new Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Suicide Prevention Strategy is due soon and Gaia Jui has been leading that work and I think it's critical that we identify significant funding to address this issue. Mainstream services cannot do this. The Aboriginal controlled and led services understand their communities, they have connections in community, they understand the context of our children and young people's lives in community and they're able, to, therefore, to work more closely with those impacted by what's going on. Jacqueline, one of the things that we like to explore on when we're looking at issues like this is obviously we look at these tough issues and you've given us a very insightful account of the broader impacts of suicide on our communities and the trauma, but we also like to celebrate the resilience of Aboriginal communities and particularly our Aboriginal people who are at the front line doing the hard work. And I was wondering if you could share with us how you manage your own well-being in the face of such challenging work and often a very traumatic workload. 
So I think I have to pay absolute homage to my my teams out on the ground. They are the people who are working with our families and communities every day. We make sure that we've got strong cultural supervision. We also have strong social and emotional wellbeing supervision and supports for our teams. We make sure we talk about what's happening for us individually and collectively. Our people on the ground in the main also have lived experience and for them this is a calling rather than a job. It is about how they use their own experience to support others. But we know that supporting our teams is ever so important. And, for example, in a couple of weeks' time, we've got another full week of training and support for our teams. We had a full week a few weeks back as well. That training is not just training on how we do our work in better ways, but it is also around how do we care for self and how do we care for others without impinging upon our own well-being and how we manage that context of the work we do. So we also have a couple of Aboriginal psychologists who work with our teams. They work with them as a group and they also work with them individually if those individuals feel they need more intensive support. Jacqueline, thank you so much for taking time with us tonight to really give us some important insights into this issue. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this space. And thank you so much, Larissa, for the opportunity to share our story of our service. Many of our people may not know we're here and we're really keen that they do become aware and do know we're here to help. Well, I hope we can have you back on the show again to keep following the important work you're doing. Thanks, Larissa. Jacqueline McGowan-Jones is the CEO of the National Indigenous Postvention Service, Fiddly. And if you or anyone you know is experiencing difficulty, you can contact Fiddly on 1800 805 801, Lifeline on 13 11 14, Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36, or Black Rainbow via their homepage, blackrainbow.org.au.